this is the fourth official soccer podcast. I'm joined by Justin and Manny. Today we've got an action-packed episode. We have obviously the El Clasico, we have the Derby d'Italia, Inter Milan and Juve. We're going to talk about the, you know, I guess the topic of the weekend, which is Liverpool and United and, you know, the final trashing of, of United this weekend. And then maybe we'll sprinkle a little bit here and there. But I do want to point out that I have a very interesting random fact, so stick around till the end to listen to it. But I think there's nowhere to start. Um, there's nowhere else to start apart from the Liverpool and the United game. Um, I think I've never seen such media circus about a manager that doesn't really mean much in the game. No offense, Ole. I, you know, he's not he's not the type of manager that we need to be talking about. But I think. The gravity of the situation is he's coaching a team that is, uh, you know, very big. Probably, I think, has the highest number uh, of fan base in the world, uh, if I'm if I'm not getting that incorrectly. Um, but I mean, what a what a circus! Like it, it's actually, I feel like we we are in the boardroom because we hear every piece and detail of what's going on in the boardroom. Um, but before we even get delve into the aftermath of the game, I think we have to start with the game. I think we have to talk about what happened. And for me, it really starts with the game against Atlanta, which I felt they were actually lucky. Um, Atlanta, not making an excuse for Atlanta, but, you know, Atlanta didn't start with uh, their uh, uh, Toloi, for example, who was, was injured. I think if he had started, it would be a different game. Um, but we're talking about a team a team that was not that didn't really have all their players versus a United team who had everybody, including Jaden Sandro, which by the way has zero assists, zero goals, and seven or eleven appearances um, this season. But that that game was a preview of what we thought we were going to see in the Liverpool game. Um, but instead, we saw the opposite, and I think uh, you know it, maybe it has to do with Ole starting the same starting eleven like he did against Atlanta, against Liverpool. But I don't know, just too many th- things went wrong. I want to hear your opinions um, and, and just, you know, maybe start with you, man. Maybe just talk about what you saw in that game because I'm still baffled at how United with a defense... I mean, okay, I know Maguire is not the best defender there is, but come on. Like, you have Shaw, you have uh, Wan-Bissaka, and you have De Gea and, and the goalposts. You, there's no way you're getting five goals against Liverpool. No way. I mean, if Milan can only take three, how is United taking five? Yeah, I I agree with you as far as where the issues have been coming from. Um, I remember texting you guys uh, in our group chat and saying uh, in that game where Atalanta was up, it seemed like they were going to come away with the victory in the Champions League. And, you know, Leave it to Atalanta to choke, Bori, a city A team to choke. Um, yeah. With you know, with that unexpected Ronaldo, you know, goal, uh, very dramatic, pretty much at the end of the game. And um, I was pretty much like, if I could have made a bet that Ole was going to be sacked after that, I would have if they would have lost. But um, if you look at all the games that they've played thus far, they've had some really questionable performances um, this season already. They lost to Aston Villa. Um, they barely beat um, West Ham. Like they, they've had some really, really close calls that 
um, if not for individual brilliance of like certain players, because they do have a very talented squad, you know, Bruno Fernandez and obviously Ronaldo. Um, but apart from that, I, I don't see who else can go ahead and do anything. And for Ole, we've seen some really questionable tactics or lack of. Um, we've talked about it time and time again. This team doesn't seem to have like an identity. Like they, they just don't. They spend a lot of money. And I think they're in the last five years or since Ole took the helm, uh, they're the second uh, EPL team that spent the most money after, after City as far as bringing in players. So they can't say, hey, the board doesn't back Ole up because they have. You brought up a Jaden Sancho. Uh, supposed to be a wonder boy, right? Uh, was tearing it up in uh, the Bundesliga and hasn't done a single thing. Uh, let's not, you know, forget our our friend Donny Vanderbeek, who just sits around and, uh, you know, at this point, this guy might as well just watch the games from home because, like, he's not getting a right. chance anytime right, soon, right. you know. So they have a lot of depth. And it's just, we talked about it again, like Ole just doesn't, he's not the right man for the job. And Liverpool, I mean, credit to Liverpool. They, from the first minute of the game, they just came out. They had a plan. Um, credit to Klopp too, because everybody was questioning why Sadio Mane was on the bench to start off such a important game. But he got his personnel and his tactics right. And I think like they actually let off the gas after like that fifth goal, like I honestly think uh, it was, um, who was it that got, after the Paul Pogba red card, which again was inexcusable, like that's, that's an ankle. Definitely red card. Yeah, yeah, definitely red card. Definitely red card, right? Uh, just, I think it was like a spur of the moment where you just saw players and Ronaldo too, could have had a red card as well. Um, if not for being Ronaldo. We, we got to talk about that. We got to right. talk about that. Um, but I think like Liverpool, I don't know, maybe Klopp just was like, you know, I feel bad. Like, I really feel bad. I mean, and we saw when's the last time you ever seen a team that is as well represented, um, as popular, um, as big of a name brand as Manchester United have their fans walk out at halftime? Like, when have you ever seen that, you know, right. um, in any game? So maybe, maybe in the Marino. Uh, era. <laughs> nah, uh, the end. I, I don't know, I, man. Even the Mar- I would, I would venture to say that even then they still kind of supported Mourinho. But I mean, right. it was, it was just amazing to see how many people left. Like it wasn't just hundreds. They said it was like thousands. <laughs> right, right. Um, Justin. So I'm, I'm just. I, I think the one thing that really surprised me about this game is, is looking at the starting lineup for Liverpool. Like I, I didn't see Mane in the game. Uh, at least to you know starting, uh, you had injuries to to Ma- I think Matip has an injury uh, if I'm if I'm not wrong, um, and so we had Konate starting, which was actually very interesting to see he because I thought he he did very fairly well, um, and then no Fabinho in the middle of the park. So I thought Liverpool weren't even like a hundred percent in terms of like the, the starting lineup, but yet they were still able to put five past them. Um, do you think Liverpool are are just the team to beat right now, um, and that's including Bayern Munich? Yes, I do. Uh, they you know, on form alone, like uh, they are doing 
extremely well by the eye test, like the actual, the, like, you know, how they win the games. They look, you know, they look like world beaters. Obviously, they have current uh, best player in the world. Um, Salah on their, on their team. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Best player in the world. Okay. Sorry. Um, but that all that being said, uh, they do not have a. This has been a, you know, as we saw last season with how Liverpool were struggling in the early part of the season and how they ended up, you know, they still qualify for Champions League, but they were definitely out of form. They are not a very deep squad. So whenever they have to go to their second or third team, you know, when you bring in uh, James Milner, for instance, Milner. instead of... Who plays who plays any position, by the way. That's true. Matter. He is. <laughs> uh, he does, but even still, like, you know, he doesn't play the central midfield role as well as Fabinho, for instance. But, right. you know, so when you see that they're they're dipping into their second or third string players for a match against their biggest rivals at Old Trafford, you think, okay, maybe maybe despite everything that's going on at Manchester United, maybe they can exploit this, you know, like in the middle of the park, especially where we know that's Manchester United's weak point. Well, now they they seemingly have a lot of weak points right now, but especially in the central midfield, Liverpool are without their defensive midfield um, stalwart, Fabinho. Maybe something can happen here. And nope. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if that's speaking about the quality of Liverpool and how well they just gel. Like these players just like have been playing together for a long time now. Most of these like most of these players have um, been on the squad for a while. So maybe there's just like. Just just a, a link that is pretty natural at this point between them, no matter where they are on right. the selection sheet. But um, or Manchester United are just that bad. But seemingly, you know, not having Fabinho, deciding to rest Mane, which was a surprise. None of these things made made a difference. Right, and I, I'm not I don't I, I'm not plugged into the Liverpool news, but uh, you know, Matip was on the bench. Although when I saw Konate during that fight with uh, Ronaldo. Um, or that spat. Konate uh, is a very big dude, so yeah. maybe that's why <laughs> maybe that's why they played him instead of Matip because I'm like that guy is so good and he did. I felt I thought he did fairly well. I think with time he'll he'll get better as long as you know the fans are behind him, um, which is always seems to be a problem, you know, with uh, with, with English teams in general. Um, but but I, I, let's let's go back. I, I think I like what you're saying, Justin, because uh, you know I think no matter like Liverpool plays like a team, right? So it doesn't matter who's in what position they play like a team. Although I would I would say what happens when you know Salah is not in this team, uh, not because of of the the African African Nations Cup of Nations, but also because of of, of injuries. Like like are we is this Liverpool going to be a different Liverpool? Because you know, I would like to hear your thoughts. What, what do we think? Is Salah is out of this team? What, what's, what's because he's been playing every single game, at least the the top games. Maybe not the Carabao Cups and, and FA Cup, but he's definitely been playing the top games, isn't he? I think without Salah, it's a it's a different side. I mean, you still have Jota, Firmino, Mane. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's a pretty top tier front line. But Salah's he's the key to all this. Yeah, Salah, and just to bring in some numbers, Salah so far has had uh, 20 goal contributions thus far. I believe he has 15 goals and five assists. And we're only how many games in? 
10 or 11 10 10 games in something like that that's cross is that across all competitions oh yeah yeah oh okay but the fact that the the guy's already in double digits right like 20 goals and assists combined like that that's impressive right and um bory i know you 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 mentioned like you know through injury but um, I, I really think that come January is what we're going to see like a real test for Liverpool because we've talked about it. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they are the EPL team with the most AFCON participants. Yep. So. Um, yep. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm surprised know, that's I mean, not Chelsea. Hopefully. Uh, I mean, I, I know, uh, you know, Mendy, Edouard Mendy counts for two players, but, you know. We'll, we'll oh, right. come on, come on, <laughs> come on. Well, I mean, hopefully, um, you know, Nabi Keita can participate in the Cup of Nations and come come January. I don't know how bad this injury is that he picked up from Pogba. Yeah, it looked, uh, it looked pretty pretty bad. Did um, anyone else thought, well, okay, maybe it's just me there. I mean, I know it was a red card incident, but to me, it didn't look... I mean, obviously, oh, I can't see, I can't see through the bo- I can't see through the body, but it didn't look it, it like I'm, I was actually surprised that he he was stretched off, but it must have been like a hairline fracture or something because well, I'm still confused how. I, th- I think it was though. I think it was where the impact was. So uh, if you see it again, and then they were talking about it um, in slow motion, it looks like the the force was just over his ankle too, so it made him. I think they're categorizing it as like um, a high ankle sprain, um, which is pretty much like one of the worst things that you can have uh, as far as foot injuries, because that usually means that you've uh, either strained or torn some ligaments in your ankles, right? And so uh, that's something that is really hard to come back from. Speaking from experience here. Look at you. Look at you, Dr. Manny Ramirez. Yeah, we're going to bring up a new segment here, you know? (laughs) Dr. Manny, Do- it's Dr. Gonna be Manny. Very, it'll have to be very, very short segments because I just looked up and uh, as of today, Liverpool had said that they expect Naby to come back in the near future, that he was able to walk without crutches after the game. So I, I think hey, maybe man. <laughs> hey, man, I didn't say that my my degree is valid or I never mentioned that. <laughs> Dr. Manny. <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, like, I mean, in this case, though, it, it's really... um. I, that's good for him because you never want to see like a player that that gets seriously injured. Um, I just go back to, again to why that challenge was even made in the first place. Um, there was no need. It came off of a corner kick. Um, you know, it wasn't like something where they were Liverpool was on a counter attack or they were any threat at all from where it happened. It was the top of the 18. There was no need, absolutely no need to 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 go in on that challenge. And then. Um, Obviously, your team's already down. <laughs> like, you you know, like I said, oh, I, I think, I mean, I, I guess he doesn't, um, you know, he's been in the news a lot. At least his agent has. This could be like a catalyst or maybe something to fuel the fire of like those transfer rumors coming up. So, yeah, I mean, in addition to Pogba, you know, uh, we talked about Liverpool taking their foot off the gas. There were. Let me count them. Six yellow cards. Six yellow cards handed out to all Manchester United players in addition to Pogba's red card. So we got Ronaldo, Bruno, Fred, Maguire, Shaw, 
Juan Basaka, everybody's getting involved with yellow cardable offenses. And I think, you know, Liverpool, we're just like, hey, let's just, you know, we are man up. We're five goals up. We're just going to pass around and kill this game and stay as far, <laughs> stay as far away from the Manchester United players as possible for the rest of this game because we don't need to pick up any more injuries. Let's let's speaking about yellow cards. Let's talk about the yellow card that Ronaldo got, which was was against the Curtis Jones. Uh, it, I'm sure everyone has seen this, but essentially, Ronaldo tried to get the ball. He he fouled Curtis Jones, and while he was on the floor, he kept kicking the ball, which was against Curtis. Jones. It was kind of weird thing. Like it's kind of weird because I could see a case for why that's not really a red card because you could argue that he was trying to kick the ball out, but. I think the manner of how we did it was the thing that gave it away that, okay, it looks like he was just really trying to just hurt Curtis Jones. Manny, would you say it was hazardous, the way he was kicking? Ah, ha, ha, ha. funny. You know what's funny, though, about that? That's the exact incident that came to my mind. Uh, what For those listening, uh, what Justin's referring to is uh, there was an incident, uh, something like uh, five, six years ago, where um, Eden Hazard, uh, we were playing, Chelsea was playing, um, I can't even remember what the team it was, but one of the ball boys went and grabbed the ball and uh, threw it on the ground or something, and Eden Hazard came over and, like, tried to kick it out. Like, he, the kid was clearly time-wasting, and he, like, was covering the ball and Eden Hazard came and did exactly what Ronaldo did to Curtis Jones. Um, and he didn't kick the kid though. Both in both instances and in both uh, situations, they kicked the ball. Nonetheless, it's not a good look. Right. And in my mind right now, even before Justin even said that I was thinking, you know, Ronaldo probably just mistook like Curtis Jones for the ball boy. Like, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't know who Curtis Jones is. Wow. Wow. Well, that 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 ball boy didn't have Konate backing him up. So I mean, Ronaldo f- fled the scene of the crime pretty quickly. Um, but well, he did try to fight. I think uh, Bruno was pushing him away. He, yeah, Bru- he Bru- tried Bruno came in. Fight. Bruno came in and and, and got in between, and um, which was surprising. But I will say, uh, I'm, it's surprising because I thought it was going to be uh, Slabhead, aka Harry Maguire, coming in and being in the middle of it. But he looks. He looks smarter. I, I think he, he's obviously smarter than he looks because he saw Konate and VVD and, you know, he saw two twin towers and was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit this one out. Just going to watch what happens. But again, like that situation and that um, just the sequence of play leading up to Ronaldo, it was chalked up to frustration. He, it was, it was like one of those things where he didn't need to foul. Like he was on his own. He lost the ball. Uh, it was like a misplaced pass on or misplaced touch on his end. Uh, no, nothing he could do. There was no uh, threat generated and it was unnecessary. So it just goes to show you, I think also a representation of probably what's going on in the locker room, right? Like if, if, things, oh, yes. didn't, if, if things didn't come out to light, like, and, and United's like one of those teams that I think like does pretty well as far as like trying to keep things in-house but uh since then right and it's only been what uh 48 hours since the game you've you started reading like all of the you know all of the reports about players and how unhappy they are in the dressing room and um you know obviously with ole and the board 
having secret meetings or quote unquote secret meetings about who's going to replace him, which I guess is my next question to you guys. When does Ole get replaced? Because it's inevitable. I think he will, right? Like, I think we're all in agreement with that. When does he get replaced? Like, how long does he have? And who ends up replacing him? I personally think they're waiting for for a replacement uh, before they before the when, right? Because uh, remember, we are at a crucial time right now. Uh, November is very decisive for a lot of clubs, especially in the Champions League, uh, with two more games that are crucial. So you can imagine if United loses this two next two Champions League games, which is possible then we're talking about them either playing it in the uh, in the Europa League or, or, or just crashing out of the Champions League in general. So I think that is something that's maybe or maybe not playing into their United's mind. Maybe they've they've considered that they're not going to go far in the Champions League. But, you know, with Mr. Champions League on that team, I would assume they're not thinking that way anymore. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, that's, you know, Ronaldo doesn't want to, doesn't want to play in the Europa League. I, I can't even imagine Ronaldo in the Europa League. Maybe it's going to be a new challenge for him. But um, my point of saying this is this is a crucial time. And I don't think getting a new coach. I mean, it's it's like, a you know, it's happened before where a new coach comes in and things just change. Right. Like maybe maybe now that we have the international uh, another international break coming up, so maybe that's a very good time to do it, too. Uh, but I would imagine they're going to lose, maybe not to Spurs, but they're definitely going to lose to Man City, I believe, unless something really drastically changes. Um, and then we're talking about Atlanta next week. Uh, you know, Atlanta wants to qualify. They want to make that money. So they're going to go out there guns blazing. So they, they need to get their SHIT together, right? Um, so I, I think I think it's a very tough spot, and that's why they've not sacked him right now because they realize they probably real are realizing. And I've heard you know the the board is split. You know I think Alice Ferguson, for example, is is in favor of keeping him or giving him some time. I think it's kind of weird to give him some time because you know it's he, it's basically done. He's I think Ole's maybe lost the dressing room. I, I don't know for sure, but maybe he has because the players are probably feeling dejected and they don't feel happy um so maybe he's lost that uh, and maybe it's time to bring in some i mean honestly is it can we not just bring saf can we bring alex Ferguson to this like I, that's not even a joke like he like can he just be on the training ground and, and then have a say in the tactics and, and what goes on with this team um i would assume like i mean again obviously i don't know what the brain power and, and all that takes to get into the trainings and stuff but I would assume he can actually play some part when it comes to tactics, right? Like he he has this experience. Um, now to your other question of who's going to replace him, that's a very great question because I've been one person that I've believed that a coach like Conte, which is the name that we're hearing mostly because Conte's PR team is probably not paying but feeding um, uh, Fabrizio Romano on, on Twitter to to say this. Uh, let's be honest. Um, but uh, Conte comes to mind because everyone sees Conte as like, yeah, he can get things done. But the problem that people don't realize, and people always, people, I've seen people say, no, this is not true, is Conte is a guy that just wants to win at the moment. He doesn't think about the future. So yes, sure, 
having Ronaldo on the team is good because Ronaldo is a moment at the moment thinking. Conte is not going to build for the future, so they need to watch out for that. And that's what's kind of the issues that they're facing. Inter Milan is facing right now because they're facing a lot of financial issues because they they have very old players on high wages and players that would probably win you something. I mean, they won the the Scudetto last season, so. My my point of saying this is Conte is the big biggest name that is linked here. I think it makes sense. I've just never thought that Conte will work with a, a player like Messi or Ronaldo because Conte is a system uh, 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 player, like high pressing, making sure everyone is pressing, everyone is running at the defenders, which Lukaku did very well when he was at Inter Milan. I don't, I just don't see how Ronaldo do, does that, and I'm not saying he's going to bench him. Either he changes his tactics, which could screw things over. Or he benches him because let's be honest, like I don't know if Ronaldo is the type of player you want playing in a contest system. Um, but what do I know? You know, I'm an Italian fan, so maybe I don't know anything. But that's just what I've seen with the Conte team. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts, Justin. Yeah, I mean Conte is the only one who has the resume. Who you would think? I don't and like think I. Ah, uh, Big Sam. We got Big Sam. <laughs> I think you're missing. No, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, we have. Um, and I always now I'm, I'm going to forget his name, obviously, but the the former coach of Roma, who doesn't really have the resume, but when he was at Ukraine with uh, Shakhtar, he he did very. Is it Shakhtar or CSK in in Russia? One of those clubs. Um, he he did very well, and that's why Roma got him. Um, but I would think that for me would be a a safe a safe choice uh and and for the future but i think they will renata will have to get out of the champions league to really focus on 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 the epl and make sure they meet the champions league next season because that'll be a very bad thing uh if they're not able to i mean they're not going to win the champions i don't think they will win the champions league and they're not winning um it. I, don't. I don't see them being top four if they don't focus on just the epl so. And I I agree with your uh, with your assessment, um, but I don't think so. Conte needs very specific players to play in his very specific system, and those players at Man U are not that. Like he does right. not have players. Right. Um, th- I, there's a stat out there as far as like players in the EPL that press less, like do the least amount of running and pressing. I saw that. Ronaldo I saw is that. at the very top, dude. Like. I think out of like a hundred percent, right? Like he he's pressed like maybe like one point two percent or something like that of the time he's been on the field, which is insane. Right. There's just no way that uh, Conte is the right person with this squad of players. Like maybe later on, and um, as far as like you know salvaging something from the from from the season, um, I, I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head. It would have to be like someone like. Sir Alex Ferguson, who knows the club inside and out, um, and who can probably is the only coach with the resume um, available uh, that could like take it in, uh, you know, um, could come in charge and actually make things happen in the interim, you know, even if it's just like for a few months or until the end of the season or whatever right. the case may be. So, I mean, yeah. 
sack Ole right now, right? So sack him, bring Ferguson as an interim coach. I, I know it's not ideal. He's probably old. Probably maybe there, there are medical reasons why he cannot yell at players anymore. But maybe you have somebody yelling at them for you, right? Um, but Gary you know, Neville, bring in Gary Neville as his uh, right. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I mean, I think their choices are limited right now, and maybe they will have a, a good luck with like Chelsea did with two, like you know hiring a coach like Tuchel, um, and the other player, the other coach they could bring in is Zizou. And by the way, the coach I was forgetting his name is Fonseca, but yeah. Zizou is another good choice, right? So um, I, 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 what I've been reading, and I don't know, obviously everything is, you know, I don't, I'm not there in the meetings and the phone calls, but what I've been reading is Zizou is not going to take the job. That's why I've been reading. I don't know if that's true or not, but, um, so, so you look He's waiting for that January call from Paris. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Yep. And I would say, I would say Zizou is probably, in my opinion, given the current place, it's probably the best fit for the job you know, compared to Conte. I'm not saying that Conte is not, you know, I personally think Zizou is a better coach, but Conte probably is highly re- more respected because he's been in the game longer than, than Zizou. Um, I, although Conte has never won a Champions League, so and does very bad in Champions League. But um, maybe that's another reason why maybe Ronaldo would not want Conte. But that Ronaldo is not part of the plans in the future, so maybe that's not a problem. So, I mean, don't you... Don't you guys think that Manchester United have a really good squad? I mean, just on paper, they I That's think they do team. have the players. But be, like they're I think they're like one central one like, you know, star central midfielder who like has good defensive duties. Like they're one of those players away from having a like on paper should be a title right. contending team. They have a they have individual talent, but they don't have collectively they're not there's no system. No. And, and, yeah. and I think it comes down again to like, there's no identity of like how this team is supposed to play, right? Um, the glaring weakness is obviously. No, no patterns of play. Like, just, it's just really, it's like they're just playing. Because I, I don't know if you've seen the screenshots uh, on tactical analysis, but in some of the goals that Liverpool scored, and not only at Liverpool, right? right it's, uh, they, you can see the defenders are Players. all on yeah. one side, yeah. right? It's it's like yeah, they, crazy, they, you know. They like, play so narrow. That's like yeah, the most shocking thing was like the wing that Salah and Trent or the right wing where Trent and Salah like to play, it was like wide open. Like a whole like third of the field was open because Shaw was pinching what? in so much at times. And let's not and, forget the sorry to cut you off, but let's not yeah, forget yeah. for like I think if it wasn't like the second goal, second or third goal, I mean there's so many can't even remember. Uh, Shaw, like you said, came inside and actually ran into like Maguire. Like they ran into each other, and then left uh, Salah alone uh, because Maguire had been drawn out to like the midfield uh, to try to cover up space, and then it, it just completely exposed him behind. So, yeah, I mean, you saw it the entire game. They were like at a position they didn't know what to do. It was, I mean, it Maguire, was actually yeah, Maguire was coming in to cover for McTominay. And it was like cascading failures because they were closing well, down. They were just closing down either multiple players closing down one or because they weren't communicating or the players when they were closing down, they, they were doing it like too late or they weren't doing it like all together. That's like, again, to this whole system thing. It's like you need to it's that's the whole point of the what the gang game press of like what Klopp loves to do and what all the good teams like to do, which is like 
press as a team. Everybody, if everybody presses, if you, you know, player one is pressing the ball, everybody else has to press their man to make sure like the passing options aren't there. It was like, they're either pressing way too late or multiple people are going to press the same person and leaving their man open. So, so I will actually play devil advocate on, on something that I, I, I initially noted the, the, the position it looks off, but these are professional players. They should, I, I mean, I feel like they should know that they have to keep the shape. Like I shouldn't have to tell Luke Shaw and Maguire professional players that, Hey, you have to keep your shape uh, unless there's a disconnect. I mean, these players have not, I mean, look at the back line, right? So apart from, from uh, Ferran, who obviously didn't even play this game, Everyone has played, they were there last season, right? So, and we're talking in the middle, they were there last season. So, you can't tell me these are players that are just playing together for the first time, but there's something missing. Either it's like a mental mental thing or something, because it doesn't make sense how professional players could lose their shape, not once, not twice. Like, there's the many instances where they've lost their shape. And to me, and I hate to say this, but to me, what's the only thing that really changed, right, in the starting lineup? It's the forward, and, and it's the fact that, to so the stat that you're putting up, uh, Manny, that Ronaldo doesn't press. So maybe they're compensating for that last man that normally, last season, Martial or, or Rashford will be doing Cavani. that person anyway, right? Even Cavani. So, and Cavani, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying like obviously Ronaldo has his place in the team and and that he brings so much more than negative, much more positive than negative. But maybe that's what's screwing them over because that's to me is like the difference between this season and last season. And, and remember, Ronaldo finished second. I, I mean, of course, the season's not over and they've played nine games so far in the EPL, but they're out of the Carabao, Carabao Cup. Like it's weird. It's a men- it has to be a, a mental thing. Or, or maybe just the, sh- the way things have changed in the recent uh, few months. Or it could just be the players throwing in the towel, maybe sabotaging. It could be that too. It could be that too. You do, I mean, it, you know, to your point, yes, they're professionals, but at some point, maybe they even realize like we have greater potential or we could go further with someone else in charge. I mean, that's the strange thing. Everybody, by all the reporting, even up till now, like, it's like the players love Ole. Like, he's like a real player's manager. Like, like he, they like his presence. He is, he's encouraging and they like him in the locker room and they like him on the training pitch. So, like, it's, it, I don't know. I, I mean, he, I think he just doesn't have any control over what people want to do. Like, he's kind of just, he's, <laughs> You know, he's like, he's almost like a chaperone and like, you were, nobody actually setting tactics. When you were, when you were saying that, like, all I could think of was like uh, a kid's party and, you know, like the yeah. clown, the entertainment, like the court jester, the clown, he's just like, yeah, well, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was trying to think of like, you know, like you have that, everyone has that friend when you're growing up who like, you know, they have the cool parents who like, will just like, they're cool because they just let you do whatever you want. Yeah. I almost feel like maybe that's what's going on with Ole. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, we like him because... But, I mean, like, it, it's all fun and games until nobody wants to lose. You know, let's, lest we forget, they got knocked up for four goals by Leicester last weekend. So it's like, once you start having a string of results like this, this game, Atalanta coming out just barely. Uh, now, obviously, it's humiliation at home to Liverpool. Now the fun is over. And now yeah. you kind of need the adult in the room to take yeah. charge and set tactics and tell people what they're going to do. 
I honestly don't see uh, them taking away much from these next three fixtures. Like Spurs is the one that you, like you gotta. Spurs has had a pretty woeful offense, so you can't ship goals there. At the very least, like you, you can't ship the goals, and you can pull out a, a eke out some sort of slim margin victory there. If they don't do that, then yeah, I would agree with you, Manny. They, they're in trouble. Atalanta at the midweek, and then uh, yeah, <laughs> then the derby. Yeah, as it stands, yeah, Spurs is actually ahead of them by one point. Right. So, um, and we don't know what Spurs we're going to get because we've, I think we've seen two sides of Spurs this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on what Spurs shows up. But, I mean, they can't write up that game. But, you know, it's definitely – like, if they lose that game, I think I think that has to be it because I – yeah, it's it's definitely tough because then they have Atlanta two you know three days later, so it's like a tough time to really ship somebody out. But maybe that's what they need. Maybe that's what they need. They need that change of scene. They need that change of of management. Um, but it, it's going to be disruptive for sure. Hey, we saw we saw what a change in manager can do. Look at Watford. Oh Wolf, God. Look at no. what a game. Look at woeful Watford, right? And then all of a sudden. They come back uh, from a from a losing standpoint over the weekend against Everton, who was yeah. not playing bad. They weren't playing great because they obviously had injuries, uh, you know, Richarlison, uh, DCL. But look at them. They just put five right past them. So hey, shout out to the Nigerian international. I got to mention it. Dennis scoring a goal and assisting after being a substitute, I think, in the 50th or 60th minute. I mean, what a game he had. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, that, I love Ranieri, so I I wish him very well. I hope I hope he does the Ranieri classic and and just keeps them up, and and, and they don't have to go down to the next uh, division. Yeah. All right, so, uh, so I think this is enough United talk. I know this is right. probably the most exciting game of the weekend, apart yeah. from the Clasico, right? But right, yeah. <laughs> we should move on. Real question, you guys. Did you guys even know that the Classical was this weekend? Because I yeah. didn't even know until yeah. literally like less than 24 hours before the game. Like I was like, wait, it's this weekend? Like, man, if that's not a, is... a, a statement, if that's not like a statement of like, this is this is the new Farmers League, I don't know what is. Because I don't recall the last time that there wasn't an, a Classical uh, played where you weren't you know, at least had an idea of when it was going to be played or, you know, like this one just yeah. seemed like it just flew under the radar. Not a lot of PR or marketing. Like, yeah. it, was it just, is that just me that feels that way? Like, no, 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 no I agree. Okay. I agree. I, I mean, even the stadium was not fully packed. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I think La Liga really shot themselves in the foot. To be honest, I'm, I'm not condoning corruption, but I, I really thought they would have let Barcelona slip with by finding some kind of clause that they would have made up on the spot to let him play. Uh, because once Messi left, I knew this was going to happen. I knew there was no way they were going to hype El Clasico up to a point that, you know, they will they, they will get a lot of viewership. And I, I feel that my job by not, I, I tried to look up statistics to see how many people watched El Clasico compared to other El Clasicos. Unfortunately, I couldn't find that data, but I'm actually curious myself. I, I mean, I'm willing to bet that, you know, the viewership was definitely low. 
right? It was definitely way lower than when you see Messi there, obviously. And I think we've heard, I can't remember, I, I think I've been hearing some of the stats, like, you know, like, you know, a lot of the viewership of Barcelona right now is so bad because, you know, uh, you know, Messi has been out. So I think, honestly, I, I'm really surprised that during the summer, uh, La Liga didn't uh, do Barcelona a favor to have him, to have Messi be kept and remove the, you know, salary cap issue that they were facing. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Messi was going to take a pay cut anyway. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's really sad. But, I mean, the game was just, I mean, I thought it was a, as a as an upbeat game. Personally, I, you know, just, just talking about the game. And let, let, let's not, let's be serious here, to be honest. Like, if you really if you really look at this Barcelona team, this is another kind of United scenario where if you look at the team on paper, you know, every position – Maybe you could you could say the problem maybe you know center back which has always been a problem for Barcelona, but midfield even they've even shored the midfield with players like Gavi for example who's who's phenomenal. You look at the forward line, Asafati is back. We uh you know what's his name Dest played the uh, wing you know wing back winger kind of role which I yeah, you know maybe we shouldn't see that again. Horrible. Apparently apparently he was a winger and, and they moved him back to to defense you know in Barcelona yeah, but. I mean, it's he was, Maybe that's every every yeah. talent every fast player when they're a kid starts as like a you know right right I was gonna say maybe maybe that's why they moved him back because they said oh this is not good but I mean my my point is you know uh, I think I think uh, Real Madrid are on fire right they've been doing very well in the last few games although I don't think they did particularly well in this game I think it was just a problem of Mingueza playing the right back against Vinicius Jr., it was no match. It was no match. I think that was a mistake to play Mingueza out there. Um, the problem is who do you play instead, right? Like, who who do you play? Maybe you play Sergio Roberto, who came on later on. But, uh, you know, it, it's a problem for them. Defense has always been a problem. Eric Garcia, don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think Manchester City really, you know, did a good job by letting him go. Um, but, but apart from the defense, I think, you know, on paper, this team is not that bad. I think we just got to talk about what's the other problem that it could be, and that's the management. And you know, Coleman is probably doing his best, but some of his choices are weird, as you can see, especially in this game. So maybe that's just a problem. But we can't just over- understate the fact that Barcelona are currently ninth with a game in hand. I don't even know if they will even qualify for the Champions League this year. And that's how bad it is. And I think La Liga in general is going down. And I hate to say this, uh, Manny, to your point of calling this the Farmers League. It's feeling like a Farmers League right now. Although I think that's when you check next year when Mbappe comes and, and they, you know, if maybe they buy a lot. Is, is he, though? Is he? Are they, though? I, I don't is. know. We'll see. Well, I, I think he is. I think I think his heart is there. Um, but anyways, my point is, I agree with you, Manny. I think I think it's feeling kind of uh, a Farmers League-ish, and I I wouldn't be surprised when I see the numbers for the viewership of this game that that yeah. it was only low compared to previous El Clasicos. Welcome to the dark side, Bori. I feel like Manny and I've well, been predicting no, this since. It's feeling it. It's feeling it. I'm not saying it is. It's feeling like a Farmers League, but I think next season it will be different, and and we'll see what happens. But okay. I think next season is going to change. Hold on, we don't know where. Erling Holland is going to end up. I don't think he will end up in Real Madrid. I don't think he will end up in Barcelona because of the financial issues, but you just never know where he's going to end up. And if he ends up in La Liga, then we're talking about, oh, the hardest league again. So He's going to the EPL. He's going to go to Newcastle. <laughs> that's, also, 
that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Well, yeah, Newcastle's got to stay in the EPL in first. They oh, had that oh. challenge in front of them first. But okay, maybe, maybe anyways, La Liga, I'll tell you what. If there's any bright spot, bright spot for La Liga in terms of promising young forwards, you know, you got there is Vinicius, who's like he's an exciting player. Obviously, Ansu Fati, he's like he's a very exciting player. And I actually want to ask you two a question about those two coming out of this game and then also uh you know uh, elsewhere in la liga there's there is uh real sociedad who are overperforming i mean in this if ever there was a season where there's an opening for someone to break the duopoly of real madrid and barcelona and then i guess atletico as well it's real sociedad who actually tied with atletico um on the weekend 2-2 well, they were, they, got, they were two all. They, they were two one, zero up, and they, they were up. And they that, yeah, give up two goals. So yeah, sure, but they got the Isak, and that's what I wanted. I just wanted to say Isak. I want to. I knew where this was going, Justin. I was just trying that's to break your rhythm. I know this was that was the end goal. You could have just started with that. Just route to get there, but I just wanted to say Isak. He's he's yeah. a star. He he has the potential to be a star. Is uh, in La Liga, who's no, I, La Liga, which is desperately hurting for stars. I agree. Um, I think as far as the the teams that you know are exciting to watch, um, Sociedad definitely. Uh, Sevilla's been pretty you know consistent as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it wouldn't. I guess the one thing that might be able to save La Liga would be if there's, if it's at least a quote unquote close race, right? And what I mean by that is if you look at the current standing right now, as woeful as Barcelona are, um, they do have a few games in hand, which even if they were to win those, it'll still keep them kind of close to the top. Um, it will keep, you know, obviously uh, that revenue generating. Uh, it'll keep their fans at least intrigued. And, you know, Barcelona is still Barcelona as woeful as they are, just like Manchester United. They could be doing horribly, but they still have followers. They still have fans. They still have um, opportunities to um, be in the spotlight. And so they're not going away anytime soon. Um, now, with that being said, um, there's a lot that can still happen. Like, we, we, you know, Coleman, it's been kind of quiet because, you know, the likes of like OGS and there's some other managers that are more in the hot seat, so to speak. At the moment, um, high-profile coaches, um, but Coleman is—I uh, I think he's far from being safe as well. Like, who's to say that they're about to crash out of the Champions League? Like, the, what I think they haven't won a game, right? Are they in last place in their group, or maybe second to last? I think I think they won their last uh, the Kiev game, I believe, one-zero. Uh, I think was the scoreline. Uh, but no, I mean it's looking bleak for them because yeah, they, they still have Bayern Munich and Benfica. With yep. you know, I don't think they, I don't see how they beat those two unless we have an Ansu Fati classic in the Benfica game. But they're definitely not losing unless Bayern really gives them the game. But they, I think they're going to lose that game, obviously. Um, so they have to beat Kiev, um, and then then they have to beat Benfica essentially. So. Um, I would yeah. say they're in the better spot than Milan, <laughs> to be fair. So, um, yeah. So between 
between Fateh and Vinicius, which player do you guys think is better right now? And which would you rather have on your team for like on a long-term contract? The thing Fate. about Vinicius Jr. Fate yeah. because I, I look at him and I don't want to punch him in the face. <laughs> what? The most important what metric. Uh, something about Vinicius, you know what I mean? Like, like something about that guy. I don't know if it's just like the fact well, that he has like these these veneers that don't even like fit his face. You know, it's just like uh, I mean, he's just salty because he's taking I, he's just like he's take he's taking Hazard's place and people have forgotten about Hazard. Listen, look, that, I think actually, actually I think that would make you happy, Manny. I, yes, it, I, I, I was gonna say on the contrary, I'm actually grateful that he's uh, he's doing well to the point that people forget uh, Hazard is not playing because he's he's injured it's because he's just not good like you know he's been like kind of left out of the squad um but um i think fatih is just uh i, I feel like he's more of um a more well-rounded player like i just see like vinicius is more just attack 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 um right, right, right. whereas like Fati, Fat, yeah. yeah yeah like he lives on his pace like right. to me um Fatih is like a better Dembele. Like, like you think about like Usman Dembele when he was at BVB, like when he was a, a Dortmund, like that. Like he's just technically just gifted and um, he's still raw. Like they're both raw, right? They're both really young. But for me, I would build around Fatih personally. He's just more technically well-rounded, like I said. And I think like he has a higher football IQ, like just watching how he plays. Right. And he looks for like certain passes, and um, he doesn't try to force uh, as much as like uh, Vinicius does. Although I, I would but say those two moment, are Vinicius is in better form. Form, yeah. I, I think those two are, are really different players, to be honest. And, and, and maybe it's hard to kind of compare them because really Vinicius Jr. is 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 a winger, at least for for Real Madrid. I can't remember what he did in his club in Brazil, but. I would say that my only gripe with Vinicius Jr. is just the finishing, which he has somehow improved this season. Maybe that's the Ancelotti effect. I don't know, but uh, if you see last season, he was just too bad. And my only fear is what happens if he, you know, if that comes back. Like, he, he's not able to finish for some reason. But apart from that, I mean, he's like, uh, you know, he's fast. He he can dribble. And you know, that's one thing that I, you want to see a winger. Um, but the rest, I'm just like, oof, I don't know if I trust him to do anything else. Um, all right, anyway, so I think, uh, you know, the fact that we're talking about El Clasico in, what, a few minutes or however minutes, it, it says it all. But I think we got to move to Italy um, real quick and, and just talk about the Derby d'Italia, the Inter Milan versus Juve last last weekend. Um, uh, this ended up 1-1, which was a good result for Napoli and Milan uh, as, as they, you know, extended, well, Really, Milan extended lead on the table because of that draw. Um, but I can't, and, and I, I see the notes here, Manny. I don't know if you wrote this, but or or maybe it was you, um, uh, Justin. I I just want to talk about that penalty um, that was given to that was, to that was me. That was me who wrote those notes. I I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, I. I I know, I know Syria has been very lenient with penalties, um, and I thought they were changing the season, but if we're calling that a penalty, like, my God, like, 
Gosh, anything like anything is a penalty at that point, right? You can't touch any player on in the penalty box anymore. That's what that's what that means. For, at least for the way I read it. But I I thought that was definitely not a penalty. And a lot of people say, oh no, he he missed the ball. He kicked the player. Come on, come on. How's that a penalty, right? Uh, so it is. It does feel like Kachapoli again, unfortunately. And this is kind of thing that scares me because then. No matter how good you play, you can still have these calls go against you, right? Um, but anyways, ended 1-1. I don't think there's anything much to say apart from that. Man, do you have anything else you want to call out? Yeah, so for those listeners that don't know what Capciopoli is, um, I recommend you go and you find um, a Netflix series called Bad Sport. And I believe it's episode three on there, uh, which is all about pretty much Juventus um, and how they had uh, pretty much uh, match officials bribed um, in the 2000s uh, when they built a pretty much a super squad of like Slatan and Fabio Cannavaro, uh, Zinedine Zidane, Pavel Nedved, like all the, all like the famous players. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously they had um, a ring of referees, corrupt referees that, ensured that Juve would get certain calls reminiscent of what we saw this this weekend with with Inter actually right Bori uh, right I mean so it really felt it and that's why felt I said it, you know it's a joke and all but um hopefully it's not um but I do recommend everyone to go and watch it um it's really fascinating just the depth of like corruption in sport and um football's like one of those things again we watch sport to like get away from things in life right like you're passionate for it and hopefully we don't see anything like that again but um you never know and uh just watching that game with like that, that that pk like especially like at the end of the game the game was like almost done yeah it just it didn't feel right to me inter deserved that win and juve were just fortunate right right i think i mean don't get me wrong i love seeing inter milan dropping points but to me that just left a bad taste in my mouth because yeah. i was like this is this is not looking good but anyways uh that's enough of syria um i i think i i do want to shout out to um pochettino <laughs> maybe maybe we have another of this discussion uh, in a future episode because i think what's happening in united is what's happening in in um, psg where Really, I, I don't think Pochettino can manage that team. However, though, I do have to commend him because he did. Pochettino played the the my formation that that I think is the best formation. Um, but somehow he still was able. You know, he tied the game with Leon, um, which I think it's it's called. Oh, sorry, Marseille. It's uh, it's yeah. called the uh, Classique. Um, so, uh, but it, it was zero zero. Nothing happened uh, much. In part. Uh, Zero zero in part uh, because of William Saliba's uh, last ditch uh, tackle on a streaking hey, Mbappe, who was like on hey, a through on goal until Saliba put an end to things. Justin, hey, can you Justin, remind is, everyone? Is William, William Saliba yeah, still under contract. That's what. That's my question. What's that? Who Who's William Saliba's contract owned by? Uh, that would be Arsenal Football Club. Why? 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 Why is he not playing for Arsenal right now? Because he's young and 
Like, I mean, oh, here we go. The EPL. I'm definitely not going to take any crap about this from um, <laughs> yes, Chelsea supporting no, Justin, Dan Manny. Or you know about Milan's loaning practices. Just listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Okay. <clears throat> we have a player that did very phenomenal against yeah, Benjamin White. We don't, we don't need Saliba this season. He'll come in next year. Jesus. Like, this, this thing pisses me off. And this is what I, tell, I was telling you about this, Justin. I mean, Arsenal is turning a new leaf. They looks like they, you know, they're winning and, and they're doing good stuff. And we have to talk about them in the future. But my point is like, you have a good defender and then you throw him away into a league that is quote unquote, you know, a farmer's league. But he's playing against top four. Yeah, he's, he's proving himself. That, that's that's right. fine. That's, so just, that's he, the way these things should he, work. What? Because he should be proving it at Arsenal. What? Why is he not doing that? They don't need him. They don't. <sighs> so, they don't need so him. It's fine. Them, it's fine. It's not a big thing. Let me pose That's this right. question to you. Let me pose this question to you. Do you think if Ben White was in that position last weekend, the the they wouldn't he wouldn't have scored that goal, that Mbappe goal? You think if it was Ben, ben White? Ben White would have seen three moves ahead and uh, never in that go. position. Here we go. All right. Anyways, I'm done with this conversation because I'm still pissed at how how Arsenal does their business sometimes. It's like it's strange <laughs> to me. It'll so, be fine. Sleep, sleep is part of the... He will be part... He's part of the plan. You got to trust the process. Right. Call him back in January. He's, he's so, on the I was going to say, um, in the interest of time, since we don't have time to speak about Le Classique, uh, we'll just, for everyone that's been listening, just replace uh, OGS with Pochettino and uh, Manchester United with Paris Saint-Germain. And then, um, you know, pretty much... Different scenarios, but you know what they say, same, same, but almost different, but still same. Exactly. And we'll, exactly. we'll revisit this conversation again in, uh, in a few months to see who's in, who's in charge. Right. I think I, I would say, though, PSG are in a better spot because of the, you know, they're number one and they have a, a very good lead. Although everyone should watch out for Lons. Lons actually is playing very good football and they could steal it from them, just like how Lille stole not stole. I mean, I guess they were up for a long time, but we could see a, a classic in the French league this season again. Um, but anyways, um, I think that's all we have. I do have a random fact that I want to tee up and just like discuss with everybody. Um, actually, before I start this random fact, I don't know if people on. I know a lot of people may not be watching Syria, but something happened, I think two weekends ago or two match games ago, or maybe the third one, uh, in Syria, essentially. So Lazio has this thing where they have an eagle before the game, and the eagle flies around and does this thing. I've 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 been told that also. I think Benfica does the same thing, and also I think Nice does the same thing where they have an eagle. So the eagle, um, actually, the person that controls the eagle and is able to have the eagle come back to the you know the, the person. Uh, there's a company that manages that for Lazio, and uh, this for Lazio, uh, and so. The this person that manages or the person that was mentioned at this time at least uh, is a contractor technically for for Lazio, um, and I think during maybe after the game or before the game I, I can't remember what what time during the game um, he basically did like a Nazi salute to the to the Lazio fans, um, and that was a whole media circus and people you know 
they were angry and uh, you know Lazio distanced themselves from from that person. I think they actually said that, hey, we're still going to work with you, but we don't want that person to work to to be the the eagle guy. I'm just going to call call him that. Um, so that was a that was a you know that was the thing that happened. And and Lazio is is notorious for having uh, you know uh, people with extremist right wing views uh, in their in their cover you know uh, their ultras. Um, so the reason why I'm saying this is kind of tease up the random fact for this episode, uh, which is, you know, um, so last weekend, last year lost to Hellas Verona 4-1, maybe they should have played this play, I'm going to call out, but uh, a certain player was called for that game uh, 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 this last weekend, his name is Romano Floriani, his last name is Mussolini, um, yes, he is the famous Italian fascist, he's the grandson, or the great-grandson of the famous Italian fascist dictator Benito Mussolini. So everything is just playing into last year, just being this fascist team, and you know why people just hate. You know they they're very notorious for even for for being racist because they always make all these monkey noises and, and against black, black players in, in Syria. So not saying that this person is bad. I'm just saying everything just keeps falling in place where it's like. Why is Lazio being linked to all these extremist and fascist views? Um, just interesting. So that that is just a random fact. I don't know if we'll see uh, Romano play this season, uh, but maybe he should have played against Hellas Verona because they they really lost that game. I think it was the end of four one or something like that. So, um, but yeah, just just random fact of the episode. Well, I thought you were gonna say that the that the eagle came and attacked them, but you know. <laughs> That would have been funny. That would have been, been funny, but... Plot, plot twist. Yeah. The eagle, the mascot, ends up actually attacking Mussolini's grandson. So. Right. Uh, anyways, I think that's all we have. This is this has been a phenomenal episode. Thank you so much, Justin and Manny, for a great episode. As usual, you can find, find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Uh, we hope to see you next week. Uh, until then, bye-bye.